0: Welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your full and podcast from down under. Here again, and today we're here to discuss the upcoming Arsenal game this weekend, and give a bit of an update on the transfer activity or lack thereof. And tonight we are joined by Elton. How are we going?
1: I'm great, thank you very much. Good evening, Sandil. Welcome
0: back.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> And
0: for those those attempting to follow along live, we uh, have had a very slight one-hour delay, thanks to Sam having to make a late-night trip to The Chemist. But we're here
2: now. How are we going, Sammy? Okay. I went to to The Chemist. I went to The Chemist to support my loving partner. Then it turned into, why are you coming to The Chemist? If you have a podcast and you're going to be stressed, then that turns into, I am here to support you. We don't need to go to the service station right now because I need to get back to do a podcast with the guys about Arsenal. Um, just, just, I just, I'm just, I'm just James in my said. early thirties. Just, in, I'm just in my early thirties. It's, it's been and, a long and, day.
1: And you have the audacity to have a go at Tony Khan for not being able to run his <laughs> hand.
0: I do. Just a second here. Yeah. Did, did you say you both went to the chemist?
2: yeah we both we both went to the chemist
0: what why why couldn't
2: I, one uh, person go to the chemist well because we were because we put both the dogs in the car and it's like it i didn't want to stress her out even more because she was pretty stressed so i was like okay well i'll help you with the dogs and then that turns into me not being helpful because i can't i can't i can't sometimes you just can't win in life jack sometimes sometimes <laughs> you are set up to lose like in in the exact same way um, that us like us against Arsenal, we might be set up to lose. I can always link it back to form. I can always link it back to form.
0: <laughs> oh, good not evening, even, everybody. Not, even You're not Good even evening, everybody.
2: Yet. Oh, mate, I'm basically married. I'm married. Yeah.
0: <sighs> um. Right. well. Clearly, now clearly finally, enjoying all the benefits.
2: Yeah.
1: Now yes, that
0: we're yeah. we're finally here and ready to uh to actually go, let's let's get into it and let's talk about. The upcoming game this weekend, um, it's one that I don't think any of us are super excited about because we are playing against Arsenal, who are currently unbeaten this season. Admittedly, we're only two games into the season, but um, we play them on Saturday night, Saturday, the 26th of August, a 3 p.m. kickoff local time, at 10 p.m. AWS time, midnight in the east coast of Australia. And in the US Pacific time, 7am and Eastern time, 10am kickoff. Sammy, I'll throw to you first. um, How how are you feeling going into this game? Because, you know, it's not been the most wonderful start to the season for us uh, on or off the field. Does it feel like this is coming at a good time or a bad time?
2: In a word, negative. Um, uh, Mm. Like Arsenal as well have... Seemingly gotten better, dare I say, in after this most recent transfer window, picking up Rice, I feel like they have um, beefed where they needed to beef, and we have leaned when we needed to beef. So um, I, I'm, I'm not hopeful. Miracles happen. Um, I, I, I. If I were a betting man, I wouldn't like it. Um yeah, like it's 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 gonna be David versus Goliath. Uh it's had the Emirates as well. We, There's we, always we, two sides
1: we, to bet on, you know, Sam.
2: I know, I know, I know, I know. Look, do you know what? It could like you could short I, the market. You could short the market. Like the okay, these two games coming up, these two games coming up, something amazing could happen. Something incredible could happen. Like I I like to I like to lean on the side of hope. But it's very likely that this is going to go terribly wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're we're sitting down and you know, I, even if I look back to when we first did our predictions, uh, what four or five weeks ago, we all looked at this game and and put goals against us um, at the at the very high end, and I think um, we weren't expecting to get a result in this one, but it feels maybe even. <laughs> even more like we're we're just not in the right position to be taking on a team like this and and similarly next week as well against man city where you need to go into these games with a lot of confidence you need to believe that you can take something from them and i, I just feel like we're not there at the moment dad do you do you think arsenal are just going to walk over us like we saw them do last season
1: so i've been thinking about this and in in um following the theme that I really believe um, that Fulham need to be very different in all of the ways that they do business from transfers to how they go about taking on the whole market. Um, and, you know, if if we were a team that is dead certain to be, um, you know, playing for the last three positions come what may, then I think free hits are in order. I don't like that word. And I I don't think many managers worth their salt think in those terms. But I actually think that, I think that's kind of a dumb way to go about um, playing a very big, very, very good team to just have a free hit and hope for the best. Because you're more than likely to completely lose your structure and completely get routed. And I think what you've got to do is try to learn as much as you can and find out what, you know, where it breaks down and goes wrong for you when teams press you really, really hard. You know, how, how do we respond when we can't get the ball and simply they won't give us the ball and all these kinds of things. And, and you know, it's just like those big moments thinking about when the Lioness has played the Matilda in the quarterfinals it was very evident to me that the lionesses had the experience and just knew what it was like in all the big moments. And I think um, we, we as a kind of new kid on the block with not a bad squad, but by no means an Olympic squad, we, we need to, we need to be the best we can be with our resources. So I think it's, you know, it's it's like uh, attending a masterclass when you play Man City and Arsenal and maybe a couple of others. And I think you've you got to take learnings out of it and maybe reduce the um, expectations that you're going to win 3-0 and not be disappointed if you lose 3-0. But if you learn something out of it, brilliant.
2: Hmm. I think it's worth noting as well that the majority of this team has gone up against... Um, Arsenal and Man City, and they actually fared really, really well. Um, even if we're not in crazy good form, the, the we're not going up against strangers. The only thing is they've just gotten a bit bulkier and better, for lack of a better word, and like, we've, we've just taken a bit of a blow, but I mean, Vinicius statistically shows up in big games. Polina's back. Um, it's it, there's there's definitely a possibility here. It's not all doom and gloom, but it's not. It doesn't. It's just not nice. It's not ideal.
0: Well, I mean, if if we look back to that Arsenal game last year, where we did have, like you say, the the team is not hugely different. Um, we we did get absolutely flogged by Arsenal last time around, and they they I think from memory they could have easily put seven or eight past us, I would have thought, on, on their day. And if it weren't for Burton Leno having another barnstorming game. Um, uh, I, I do agree, though, we, we are maybe not as weak as we're making out that we are. I think we do still have that strong spine. Admittedly, Tim Ream is going to be out of action, but we're just not looking as sharp as we were towards the end of last season when we were putting in some of those good performances against Man City, against Arsenal, against Man United. Um and obviously we don't have the outlet to score goals at the moment, which I think is a massive issue for us because going forward, we we just look like we're a little bit weak and and meek as well, maybe. We, we just look like even if we get into the right position, we're not actually going to finish anything. Um, so it, it is, for me at least, a little bit of a worry going into this game that um, I, I think early season these opposition sides at the top of the table are looking to make their mark. And this is where you lay the foundations for a title challenge, early season. If you drop points now, you have to make them up and be chasing for the rest of the year. And Arsenal will be looking at this game going, let's be really clinical. I've seen some people, some Arsenal fans, in fact, putting predicted lineups out for this game and saying, oh, let's rotate the whole squad, give some of the other guys a chance because this game should be a bit of a walkover. And I'm 100% sure Arteta's not going to do that. There might be a little bit of rotation, but he's going to put out a very strong side and make sure that they're very clinical and they put us away early if possible, similarly to how they did when we played them last season and they were 3-0 up at half time, And then you can rotate and start introducing other players. But I feel like this is going to be a really tough game for us.
1: I I think that if if you look around the, the pitch... I always feel we've got six or seven players, including our goalkeeper, who really on on a good day can match it with pretty much anyone in the Premier League, give yeah. or take, right? However, we are struggling to score goals and that's a topic for discussion that will continue until we resolve that position. And, you know, when, you, when you're playing against the very, very best, you can be having a great day and it's incredible competition and arm wrestle all day and I'll have three moments of brilliance and put three goals past you in in a moment. And so it's completely believable that there could be four goals in the back of our net um, and the game might uh, not seem that one-sided, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I think the use of the word clinical there makes makes the – most sense and strikes a chord because Arsenal, we've seen it before, they are clinical. You give them an opportunity, mm. they'll score a goal. Yeah. Um, and, and Fulham so far this season have been the opposite of clinical. I don't know what the exact <laughs> word is off the top of my head, but agricultural. <laughs> agricultural. Sloppy, agricultural. Yeah, nice. these are all good words, but you know, we've, we've got ourselves into good positions and I, I saw a stat come out from the other 14 and it was talking about uh, in the last game the number of clearances made by defenders and the two Brentford defenders against Fulham made the most clearances of any other defenders in those, in the other 14. So we were putting balls into the box and trying to create opportunities, but the balls were being cleared. So there were poor balls into the box or Mm. maybe Brentford were defending well, but it's not like, we weren't trying to push forward and trying to actually create opportunities, but there's, there's a lack of quality with the final ball. And I put that down to some early season injuries. Obviously we've seen Pereira sort of easing his way into the side. We saw Willian miss out, you know, we're definitely not at hundred percent yet. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. Um, And and so I I feel like that's the difference between the two sides. And it's always a difference between those sides at the very top of the ladder, and the sides at the very bottom, is that those sides, like your Man City's, your Liverpool's, your Arsenal's, you give them an opportunity and they take it and they they put teams away easily. Mm. And that's what we need to be aiming to do is just not make any sloppy mistakes. Because we saw it against Brentford, who I don't put up there as one of the top six sides in the league, but we gave them a handful of opportunities and they put us away. One sloppy mistake from Diop, they had a one-on-one chance and he put it away really well. And then we gave him a penalty and they put the penalty away and it's 2-0 game over. We are not doing that at the moment where we get an opportunity. We we can't finish at the moment, it seems at least.
2: It's going to be really interesting um, because this is Silva's first week without Mitrovic, without Mitrovic into consideration. So I'm really fascinated to see how we actually approach that because we've been playing the same... Um, cross into the box for Mitrovic to head, even when he's not there, just so we keep the guys in that same frame of mind. Um, If we're starting with like Vinicius, for example, we usually play more to his feet. So, and I imagine this is probably going to be the first week that we see really how Marco Silva actually wants to play. Maybe, maybe, Maybe it's going to go back to doing the exact same thing that we've been doing before. But we could see an entirely different style of play now because we're not we're not considering that anymore. Uh, so I'm I'm I really I re I'm really in the dark on this one as how I reckon
1: Bigger. I reckon the first thing that's actually happened is that Marcus Silvers reduced the the, the his intake of anti anxiety medication now that Mitro's out the door.
0: Ha.
2: Yeah. Well uh,
0: I think you're right. We we do need to change our style. And we saw when um, Mitro was banned last year and out injured as well, it took us a really long time to adapt and, and start playing a different way. And I think that will surely be fast-tracked now that he's completely gone. So it's not like we we have to continue to play that way because Mitro will come back eventually. That's not the case. We actually have to adapt and say, these are the strikers we've got now, Vinicius, Jimenez, even Rodrigo Muniz as well, who somehow managed to get his way onto the field. Yeah. Um, but we need to say what are their strengths. How can we maximize their potential and make the most of of the opportunities that we do get to make sure that we're not pinging balls into their heads. And let's be honest, Jimenez has had a major head injury.
2: Yeah, he I doesn't don't like look him.
0: quite as confident with his head. Yeah, and so we need to be playing sc- the ball into his feet.
2: Yeah, if yeah. I cracked my skull, the last thing that I'd want to be doing is confidently trying and, like head the same way that Mitrovic does. Like it's not that that I I always thought that was a bit off, and it kind of made me wince a little bit.
0: And look, he's been really brave as well going in for challenges. Yeah. I, I've seen him going with his head multiple times, but you can just tell it, it, and it has to sit in the back of your head. I, I think about when you're playing cricket and you get a short ball, and you get you wear one on the body, and you get hurt, and you know that there's a potential for that to happen again to you and you it's always just sitting in the back of your mind and that's how you soften people up. And I I just don't think that we can play that way anymore. We have to adapt and we have to change the way we play, but it will take some time because our whole style of football is uh, thinking about down the left. You'd looking at William with Robinson overlapping and then putting a ball in the air into the box for Mitro to put away. We need to change the way we play now and, and we saw it a few times where we saw some cutbacks along the ground where we saw Harrison Reed and Pereira score a couple of goals last season, but it, it's going to take a major shift and I, I don't know if the striker that we're, we're going to get in to replace Mitro is going to be in the same style as Mitro as well. I would have thought we're looking at younger strikers and usually the younger strikers are better with their feet, a little bit pacier as well, so we are going to have to adapt the way we play.
1: But in terms of you know, the, the, the game at hand, you know, the, these two very difficult games at hand, you have to believe that these are going to be makeshift attacking plans to, to do the best we possibly can. And the bigger plans are going to be entirely dependent on who we sign if we do. Yeah. I mean, God forbid we're not, we, that we're not here in three weeks' time talking about the fact that we now have to come up with a... a you know, a forty 45, 50 point season based on, you know, these three guys we've got.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Look, I'm I'm hopeful that we are gonna bring someone in and there's there's still a lot of talk around with um a a few transfers and we'll cover it a little bit later, but it, it does look like Moyes Keane from um Juventus who I think linked up with Marco Silva at Everton a few seasons ago, looks like he's the most likely target at the moment that we've got, and he is a a different striker to Mitro. He is still strong and he is um, good in the air as well, but he is better with his feet. He's faster than Mitro as well, so um, we we will have to change the way we play. It'll be interesting to see how we do adapt and if we start that change now or if we continue to play aerially towards Jimenez and, and maybe
2: Vinicius. Mm. I I I would really love I, I I sent I sent Dad um um this video uh, that I was looking at about Brighton. It's a Tifa video because why not? Um uh, no they were it but, but they were talking. I know I know um yeah uh but they were talking about how um and Man City do this as well um how Br- um Brighton like structure things is they always make sure that they are signing players to fit their system and they're not signing players to essentially come into the squad and play around. So if the player doesn't fit the system, then they don't ever get a look in and it's a really easy way for them to actually build up younger talent. And I'd re- I would really want to see us do something like that as opposed to trying to sign key players and building around them. I, I-, I really want us to use this as an opportunity to completely shift and figure out the Marco Silva way or figure out the the new Fulham way and then just try to find people that, to like that, fit into that perfectly.
1: That's a very long-term strategy that I I'm, I'm not disa- I'm not disagreeing with you but we we you know in 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 the best instance you come up with a great plan for the immediate and that's mm. about the players you've got or the players you you happen to sign and it might have to be <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely going to be whoever we can get our hands on, Tony. Um, mm-hmm. And then longer term, in parallel, along alongside of all of that, you've got to come up with some kind of plan, as you're describing. And I don't think anyone's in um, any disagreement that that would be a great outcome. It's just difficult to achieve. And I think you've also got to have the money and patience to live with that for quite a long time before you see uh, see results.
2: Well, statistically, it's actually more about patience than about money because what um, Brighton have done extremely well is they've just spent barely anything on players and then they're flipping them for a massive, massive return based off of the success of their system more so than the actual player. But they are like trying to find players and kind of moneyball it a little bit just to make sure that those players can definitely work in the system, and it's got it's got to start somewhere for us. And yeah, now would be an awesome time. But anyway, uh,
0: the Brighton system is obviously it, it works really well, but it only works really well when it's working. I know that sounds stupid, mm. but um, we saw we saw with Lester, you are right though you are right you are right. we saw with Leicester how easily and quickly it can turn around if you yeah. make it. Uh, Brighton have been. Sensational at making these amazing signings, and you're right, they they sign these guys and then they sell them for ridiculous money. Looking at Caicedo for 100 mil, Mm. Sanchez to Chelsea for 25 mil, Alexi McAllister for 50 or 60 or whatever it was. Um, and they pick them up cheap, obviously, as well. But it's it, it works, like I said, it works while it's working. Unfortunately, you you find that at at some point they will get to the point where they have to keep spending big money because they get into Europe and they need to try and maintain that position. And it's it's very possible that you see a a Leicester-style implosion from Brighton in the next five years or so because it's sustainable, but only if you're constantly having those successes. And a lot of the time you're betting on kind of unknown players to turn into superstars.
2: Yeah, I mean Southampton like tanked um, even when they were extremely successful doing the exact same thing. Le- the, as you said, Leicester, all it took for, was a pandemic to derail it. I'm ju- I, I would just love to see something like that because then you just really then you just don't hope on buying these key players and then you actually have a bit more faith in people like Munez and um, Vinicius because you're less worried about the individual if that makes sense.
0: Oh, I agree. I think if it if, if we can I'd love to have that similar sort of style where we're signing players and never really spending more than ten million on a on a player and they turn out to be absolute superstars and we end up selling them for sixty, seventy, eighty million. It's just I, I I can't see us moving to that sort of style of signing. We we sign smart players and I think the biggest thing that we do is try and sign players who've got experience as well, who will be able yeah. to instantly jump into the squad and, and play a part, whereas Brighton think to the future a lot and they mm. do it really well and they, and they well, find the, people who are going to grow into those positions.
1: But but that's precisely the point, Jack, that you're, what you're doing is describing Fulham's opportunistic short-term view on trying to fix problems um yeah in a in a a, a very reactive way and maybe that comes from a lack of concentration and focus on the longer i i I know i'm kind of retrofitting what i believe is the way tony khan approaches this with 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 a lack of kind of autistic focus if you know what i mean (laughs) um um because because I... i think um again i this this isn't a brighton podcast but what i i get a sense from brighton and 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 brentford as well that they are very focused on all that it takes in the short and long term to build a successful football club mm. and i don't get that feeling from a multi franchise owner um uh, and i think in partners
0: as- in part as well though um we we have been a yo-yo club for the last 7 years effectively i know we did stay up last season but we haven't had the same amount of stability that brighton have had over that time so it maybe it does get to the point how, where
1: how long are the carns own fulham
0: they've uh, i think 10 years now and we've been mm-hmm. up and down for 7 of those mm-hmm. So, and and, you know, they've spunked a hundred million in at least one transfer window and then saw us have to pay that off over a period of four years where it's just hung over our heads the whole time. And I think they're worried about making the same mistake again. And I I do understand that. And I think if we had a couple of seasons in the Premier League of, of a bit of stability, we might be able to move to that model eventually. But I think there's just not enough faith that we will continue to be a Premier League club for the foreseeable future. And it's, it's about trying to build that platform to then build a Brighton model on top of it.
2: Mm.
1: Well, it, I mean, it's kind of a prop. Sorry, Sam. It, it's kind of the intrinsic problem with, can I say, nepotism or family companies? <laughs> that, sure. Why not? You
2: did. that.
1: No, that the, the problem is, you know, if, if, if you were developing the entire club on the basis of excellence, and a, a manager sp- or, or director of football spent a 100 million pounds and it all went to shit, they'd, they'd probably be replaced. And someone who could do that job, is more experienced, could do their job, would come in. But we, we don't have that situation. And we, we're, we're having to kind of learn on the job. Mm. And so you you are stuck with that.
2: I do, th- I do genuinely believe that, The Khans, like specifically Tony, and I I genuinely believe that Tony doesn't do anything without Shade's approval. So I I know Tony's the poster boy, but I kind of love them together. That's me with my conspiracy hat on. Um, I think they have gotten better, but as we kind of touched on before, I don't think they're quick learners. And I think that this... um, everything that's happened i I don't, I don't i'm not 100% sure that they're fully prepared for it because i mean we touched on this last pod i i jack i do think you're right i think um they have in previous seasons always got it through on like the last deadline day but again i think i truly believe that this this is a different year this is a different season this is a different this is a different atmosphere in football and i don't think that they're quick enough to figure this out
0: I don't agree with that. I, I can't imagine. It's, oh, okay. it's very clear. The manager has said multiple times we need five or six players. I can't see a way that we finish this transfer window without signing four to five. Maybe we might not get all six, or but it's very possible that we also scattergun and, and sign four loneies on the final day of the transfer window just to plug a gap. I, I don't mm. think we're going to not be able to sign anyone. I mean, these transfer deadline day deals happen in a couple of hours. It, it's it's rushed usually, and you maybe don't get the best deal sometimes, but I, I I had a quick look and saw on transfer deadline day every season for the last three years, we've signed at least two players. Um, so I can't imagine we're going to get to deadline day and not sign two players minimum. And I would have thought, I mean, looking at the reports of Moyes Keane being close and Castagna being close today as well, I would have thought those two would close out. The Hudson-Odoi deal is being held up because Chelsea want a 50% sell-on fee, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people are saying, oh, we're, we're haggling over £2 million that Chelsea want. Apparently, the, the main reason we're just holding back is we, we're we saying we don't want to give you 50% of the sell-on fee for Hudson-Odoi, which could be, you know, £40 million if he goes back to the kind of player that he was eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, look, I, I genuinely think... Yes, we're taking a long time, but we always take a long time. Uh, I also have to say, I don't think the transfer business is solely done by Tony Khan. Alistair McIntosh is the CEO of Fulham, and he has always been involved with all of our transfer dealings. And he gets quite an easy run sometimes, and basically sits in the background because people focus on Tony Khan. There's a lot Mm. that goes through Alistair McIntosh's plate, and he was lauded when we had some good transfer windows previously. But when things aren't going quite as well, he does seem to sit very quietly in the background. So I'm not not 100% sure we can put all the blame on Tony Khan and, and put it all down to nepotism, for example. No, nah, he's just a poster boy. Yeah, for sure. And that's what that's what you get as being an owner and being involved. And he likes being a poster boy as well, which is fine. He also seems to take a fair bit and doesn't mind it either. He's not... Mm coming out whinging and saying Fulham fans are horrible and keep being mean to me. He just stays quiet and keeps posting about AEW and how great wrestling is. Um, Anyway, let's have a quick look at the form. I mainly want to do this because I made some new slides and I think they look quite nice. It does Um, look nice. The last two games for Fulham, obviously the 1-0 win against Everton and the 3-0 loss against Brentford. And Arsenal, their last two games, a 2-1 win at home against Forest and a 1-0 win against Crystal Palace. Now, those results don't look overly impressive, but I don't think they tell the whole story either of um, how good Arsenal have looked this year. And, you know, like Mm. you said, Sammy, they've made a couple of good signings as well. They are probably still gelling a little bit, but still some some good victories there. Nottingham, Forest and Palace, um, you'd expect will be, Fairly solid mid-table sides this year. Um, Mm. So a fairly good start to the season from Arsenal. A quick look at the table. Arsenal currently sitting fifth behind, as we've talked about, Brighton sitting first with a goal difference of plus six. Arsenal third with a goal difference of plus two. And Fulham currently sitting in 13th. Uh, Interesting this season, and I I saw someone say, it's it's quite an interesting stat that Luton and Burnley, I think, play on Friday night maybe. Uh, And it could be that after... Two games, uh, two rounds of football in the Premier League. Fourteen different teams have actually won a game, which just shows mm. that this season it's it is quite open. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those years where you want to try and get to forty points as soon as possible. And so it is going to be important for us to be picking up points throughout the year. Um, let's have a quick gander at potential lineups. Now, there's a couple of talking points here. Um, Firstly, very quickly, I assume with Tim Reim out we're all backing Calvin Bassey to start. Yeah. Yep. And are we backing Diop after his mistake as well to maintain his spot? Or do you think there's a potential for a couple other changes there?
1: Hmm, I think I think on balance Diop's probably gonna keep his spot. Um I, I, I d I don't think he's got lines and homework from from um silver. I, I, I bet Silva threw a book at him in the in the change room at half time. But um no I I I don't I don't see Tosin coming back in. I think he's out the door.
2: Mm-hmm. Also as well with somebody like Bassi you want to like free him up as much as possible. So you need that anchoring. Um, and I c I can't really see um, a Tosin being a better alternative than Diop at this stage.
0: Yeah, um the other sort of questions around this lineup obviously there's a few fitness issues, Pelinia Pereira and Willian all not 100 100%, 100%, um but up front is probably the one sort of area where I'm not 100% sure who starts here. Um Jimenez for me hasn't looked overly impressive in his two outings so far. Um and we saw the difference that was made when Mitro came onto the pitch in the Everton game and it just seemed to liven the team up a bit. Do you think Silva maybe reverts back to Vinicius up front or do you think Jimenez gets another crack? Dad, I'll throw it to you first.
1: Mm. I, look, I, I think particularly uh, when, when Silva actually substituted um, Munez, that seemed to send a very big message to, to Vinny last week about where Silver's headies but one one hopes there was a, a chat that preceded that and an explanation for why he was doing that because if he simply just told uh, Munez to warm up and didn't speak to Vinny at all during the game that would be um, that would be awkward. Um, I, I think that he's just giving Jimenez an opportunity to bet in on the basis that He knows what he's got in in Vinny, and he needs to give Jimenez an opportunity to, um, if not shine, at least get used to playing with this team. So you know he's functional for us. It's potentially all change in two weeks. This is just about getting getting through the next couple of weeks, surely. Um, And I, I guess what you're asking is. If Jimenez doesn't play and Vinny's selected, which would be completely fair given what Vinny's shown us, he's, he's proved something to the football club and to the fans, right? Mm. And he certainly, uh, he doesn't make me nervous anymore to see his name on the team sheet as a starter. So does that send a message to Jimenez that the project is over and that he's going to get very, very few minutes um as the season progresses and we get other strikers in and therefore you know that becomes a difficult uh player to motivate and manage i don't know
2: Go on, Do <laughs> <laughs> um i'm you know what i'm i'm going to be that guy i i want vinicius i want vinicius i i i i, lo- I love the energy that he brings to the team i I feel that we need that more said than anything. He has, like, is he is he a perfect out-and-out striker? No, of course not. But he has proven that he can get goals. He can do it with a smile on his face. And he has remarkable grace under pressure, which he has absolutely no right to have, considering his general skill level. But in big games, Vinicius shows... No, I know. No, no I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that with all the love in the world. He shows up to big games. I love him for it. And if... It's not... That is not a a flag to cast away Jimenez. Jimenez, like, I feel that he's been brought in for rotation anyway. So uh, I'm not sure if he will, but I'd really like to see Vinicius start in this game because that entire squad, as I'm looking at it now, with Vinicius on top, that... Is probably about as competitive as I feel that we can get at this stage.
1: I think there's a lot of there's a lot to that comment because Vinny has definitely shown up with a with an enormous amount of energy for big games. He he does mm. get up for it. He's very Man. pumped. So uh, it would be no no bad thing to 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 let him start.
0: I I think Jimenez has surely been brought in to the project knowing that he is a backup striker. I can't imagine Silva said, yep, you're going to be starting every game. I'm going to back you fully. Similar to how Vinicius came into the club as well, so sort of saying, look, you're you're the backup striker. You're there for rotation purposes. You're there for cover. You're going to come off the bench late in games to try and score us goals when we need them. These two now actually have an opportunity to effectively fight out for a position and and try and prove that they're the one who deserves that position. For me, Vinicius probably offers something more similar to what Mitro was, and so it suits a transition away from that Mitro style to more of a playing to feet or playing through the channels kind of style. And so I wouldn't mind seeing Vinny actually start a few more games over Jimenez because at the moment it seems like we don't quite know where Jimenez is running where he's going to be positioned when we're playing balls into the box. We're just not picking him out at the moment. And that comes from spending weeks and weeks and weeks at training, just knowing where the other person's going to be at all times. We've had that over a season with Vinny, both starting and in training. And so I'd like to see Vinny start because I think that's going to be our best opportunity to score goals because we've seen him do it before.
2: I, I've noticed as well that um, Jimenez has a tendency to uh, drift uh, to either side of the box. Uh, I yeah. feel that he he's comfortable there. He's comfortable um, going out wide and then I'm assuming cutting back in I think is like the intention. I don't know because I haven't fully seen it really work out for him so I'm not 100% sure what he's doing. I can guarantee you at least Vin- Vinicius, he might not get the ball every time, but he's at least staying in the box. And I like that because you can be an amazing player, but if you're not playing position, <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I do agree. Um, Jimenez did seem to drift wide a fair bit. And sometimes you want that from a striker. Um, I think that actually is perfect for a striker who comes off the bench late in the game yeah. because – they spent the whole match marking Vinicius in the center and all of a sudden Jimenez is pulling them out wide and you create opportunities through the middle for other players to come through. But uh, we, I, I just think we're not quite ready for Jimenez yet, if that makes sense. And I don't know if we ever I will be it. because I think we might bring in someone with a, again, a different style and just back them to the hilt from there. Um, so yeah, look, it's, it's a, it's a toss up for me. I, I, won't be upset if Jimenez starts, but I think I'd like to see Vinicius more so than Jimenez um, up front for us. Uh, any other thoughts on the potential lineup for us here? Obviously, there's a lot of maybes with potential injuries. We saw Willian not 100%, Polina Pereira not 100%. Any other thoughts there? Does um, Lukic, for example, get in over Reed, or do we think we're going to start Reed again?
1: I, th- I think Reed will start. Um, I don't think Kenny will start. I doubt, I, I I don't think, I think, um, Lukic becomes a key consideration if Polini is not there, even though it's kind of a weird one because it's not really his role. But I think if Polini is not there, suddenly Lukic, um, is a better pairing with Reed in Silver's mind, I think. Um, and I'm look, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping Polina does start and even if he even if he doesn't make it past, you know, the hour mark, um the the, the story will probably be in full technicolor by then and Arsenal <laughs> will probably have um yeah. Uh put put us into a corner, let let's say. That's quite possible, at which point, you know, maybe it's the uh, optimal point to actually rest Polinia and try something else
0: yeah very very possible let's have a quick look at a potential arsenal lineup as well now there's at least one enforced change here tommy asu picked up a second yellow card against crystal palace so he will be suspended um again it was very similar to tim reams where i'd say realistically it shouldn't have been a second yellow card um but I think that's the reality of the Premier League that we live in now, that uh, we're going to see a lot more players getting booked and a lot more second yellows for very minor, minor incidents. Um, so uh, expect... I think it's worth putting money on Polinia to pick up more yellows than he did last year, seeing he's, he's already got one and he's only played about 30 minutes all season. Mm-hmm. Um, expect uh, Zinchenko to come in at left-back, Party Rice, Odegaard through the middle, uh, Saka and Ketu and Martinelli up front. Sammy, just your thoughts initially on this arsenal side
2: yeah look i mean with this formation and um with the way that arsenal typically set up you would think that you can um literally just flood that midfield in the way that we could potentially do and then you would be able to create some serious opportunities but individually they're really good players and i feel that um the way in which they typically set up actually speaks volumes to how confident and how regimented that they actually are. Um I mean, you've said it before, they're really clinical. Like, Odegaard and Rice, like, so slick. And uh, Saka, well, arguably, best right-winger in the league. Like, maybe Salah, but I think Saka's actually getting up there. Martinelli's become incredible. Um And that back, uh, that back four is just really 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 tight so i mean uh yeah i mean there, there's nothing to say that if you can potentially get like an early goal you can have a serious game but um yeah it's, it's just a very good team isn't it dad you're on mute that you're on mute
1: i'm sorry I just suggested, you know, we give a couple of players a, a semi-automatic weapon and see what happens.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Anyway, we'll move on from there very quickly. Um, a uh, very quick look at um, our fantasy league, mainly because I've snuck into the top 10 very sneakily. Um, but Safira G still sitting top, all about that bassy. What a team name. Um and a few other great team names there to call out, Tete Atete um, and Mitrovision as well. I'm sure anyone who's got a Mitro-based team name this season in the Fantasy League is regretting it massively. Um, quick push forwards, looking at our previous predictions. Like I said, these were done at the start of the month. Um, Sammy, you still feeling good on the 4-0? Yeah, I,
2: I kind of am. I don't, I don't like that I am, but I kind of am. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm,
1: I'm just add, adding up all Dad. of the. Yeah, I'm adding up all the scores, and so I, I get nine two, and I'm just wondering whether that is a possible score line. I'm wondering um,
0: how we score two goals, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <me> too. <laughs> uh, but, but a genuine question for you, Dad. Though you've, three, you've mm, previously predicted three-one. Do, mm. do where do you see us scoring a goal? Who who does the goal come from? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great uh,
1: point. Oh, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Um, look, it's look, Bobby
2: Deccadowa read. Why it's good, always Bobby.
1: Maybe William. Tell me he he couldn't score. Tell me Harry Wilson mm. couldn't do something ridiculous tell me pereira couldn't score a penalty which give is awarded for us uh for a really soft penalty mm.
0: um At or least maybe won't be Vinic- wrestling the ball away for a penalty this yeah. time
1: around. yeah mm-hmm. well, or so. maybe tell me Vinicius can't score in a big game um so we we we, we do potentially have a goal in us we just don't have three against arsenal uh, mm. the only the only point of um, consideration is whether three is a fair number to Arsenal.
2: You know, you, you have actually drawn on a really, really interesting point because I actually really like our success rating when Mitrovic isn't taking penalties because the guys have kind of proven that they're actually quite proficient. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Pereira hasn't even missed a penalty yet. I think he's taken about four or five. Um, so, you, I mean, all it takes is just one wrong move in the penalty. box and- Sorry?
0: <laughs> All it takes I mean, is getting a penalty in the first place. And, the and then just shutting down.
2: And then just shutting down. I'm uh,
0: I'm not I'm hope, not. I hope we're not hanging our going. hat on <laughs> I hope we're not hanging our hat on trying to get a, a penalty to win this game. But yeah, look, <laughs> I, I think um oh, I, I predicted two one initially. I'd say a, a two-nil or a three-nil is probably more realistic from from where we are at the moment. I, I really hope that um, Polinia comes in and maybe it's it's something that we do. Maybe we rest Pereira and play Polinia, Reed, and Lukic as a three in front of the defence and go yeah. a little bit more defensive and play on the break with Willian Wilson and Vinny or Willian Wilson and Jimenez up front. And maybe we do try and park the bus a little bit to sneak a draw and we could be surprised by it. I, I'm not not hanging my hat on it at all, but it's not out of the question
2: we do have like we are we are being very negative right now because of like the general tone of like the past week or so but we ge- we do have proven goal scorers like it's not like it's not out of the question to say that like none of our guys can score i think we're just like a bit emotionally broken but um like there's the, these are all the same players we've just taken a hit so yeah i may, may i don't know maybe i am being too negative saying it's a 4-0 Maybe it could. I reckon maybe Jackie could be right. It could be a two-one. It could be like the last time we were at the Emirates when we snuck something through. And then, I mean, that was that was that game was way tighter than we thought it was going to be. I don't know. It's the, these. I feel like these big games when you're kind of like a mid-table team, it can really go either way. Um, I don't. Know, I don't know what kind of punditry insight that is. Uh, but nah,
0: no, I, I think I think you're right, Sammy. Four nil sounds about great. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, you never know with these games at the moment and with the the officiating this season, uh, you know, Arsenal get someone sent off because of something really stupid like we saw in the under-21s game. I don't know if you guys saw the highlights of that, but I can't remember who it was. It might have been Dibbley Diaz got himself sent off for blocking a throw-in being taken quickly. And he was basically trying to – he was sort of on all fours, didn't get out of the way of the ball quick enough, the opposition player made a bit of a fuss of it and he got a second yellow card for it and got sent off Mm -hmm. it's not out of the question that an Arsenal player does something stupid like that like like we saw Polina just kicking the ball away in a bit of frustration and the referee because that's their prerogative this season brandishes a second yellow card and all of a sudden we're playing against a 10-man Arsenal admittedly Mm -hmm. we might already be 3-0 down and it's you know 10 minutes left in the game but you, you do never know, like, these these things can happen if it's a penalty like we saw against us. Someone gets sent off and we win a penalty and we, we do sneak a 1-0 lead. There's a potential that we hold on to that because we do have good defensive players in Polinia and Bassi and Diop on his day is a good defender as well. And Leno in goal is, you know, has to be considered one of the top three or four keepers in the league at the moment. Yeah. So I, I I think we're not being... Negative. I think we're just being a bit realistic and maybe more realistic than we usually are when we look at those, the Brentford um, predictions where we were sort of very much saying, we've got this in the bag and we can win this game. And uh, I think we were maybe a little bit unrealistic there where a draw was probably a fair result based on the way we played. Um, uh, I, I don't think we're being too harsh but I, I think there's a lot of work to be done by Fulham in this transfer window to actually get us to the point where we can be a little bit more positive because realistically we'll have a stronger squad at that point. Like like you've both said, we haven't lost the main core of this squad. We've just lost a talisman and a bit of a poster boy for Fulham. And, and that has definitely brought the mood down a little bit over the last few weeks. But you're right, we do still have that core of a group there. We just need to build on that because... That core isn't enough, I don't think, to keep us safe as a guarantee. I think we need to strengthen from here to really give ourselves a chance of of finishing above that forty point mark. Silence yes. means yes, yes. I'm right? Yes, yes, yes. Um. <laughs> so, guys, let's quickly have a chat about some transfer news. Um. Yeah. There's a bit going on at the moment. <laughs> uh, we, we won't go into it too much because, like I've said, it's all rumours at the moment. So there's not a huge amount to talk about. We did delay this podcast recording. We were going to do it um, yesterday, but Sam's been at the chemist for 24 hours so far. It's true. Um,
2: it is true. I only have myself. To uh, blame, no, we. Which is we genuinely why, were going to
0: record. We were. Hugh, it's your fault. We were going to record yesterday, but we said let's let's sit sit on this for 24 hours and see if there's some news coming out because we really want to be able to cover some new signings and we were all sort of a little bit hopeful that something would happen. It's just been radio silence. There, there, it does seem like a few things are starting to progress. The main ones being Moise Keane from Juventus. Um, Fulham have spoken with Juventus about Moise Keane. I believe there's some sort of agreement on personal terms with Keane as well. Um, I believe he's quite keen to link up with Marco Silver again, who he's linked up with previously. Um you know young striker it, it could be one of those players who we bring in and he just clicks under silver he he obviously didn't have a great run when he played um for everton previously, but I think maybe under silver with this team behind him, he might be able to do something quite special
2: i i i i i I'm speaking from my heart here and maybe it's just my my inner nature talking, but i at this stage, at this hour, I I don't have faith that, like, that we can assign who we need, and I know I know that that's bad, and I know that I should um be hopeful, but I I'm so broken, and I I I'm genuinely predicting that like it comes deadline day, and we just go is that it is that it it's like that's that's what I am. Seeing in my brain, and I maybe that's wrong, but I.
0: So, so Sammy, I you fall. genuinely think from here to the end of the transfer window, you think we're going to sign no one?
2: I just—it's almost kind of like I can see that happening more clearly than us signing who we need. Like, mate i do don't, I don't—I don't know who we potentially sign. Um, I.
1: We really are that guy, that pull someone at 10 to 12 on a friday night in a bar aren't we
2: yeah yeah it kind of feels that way it's like the lights are coming on we're a little bit panicked and sweaty and we're just looking around just kind of like with a bit of a. a you're
0: taking home a four.
2: Oh yeah and you know what you're you're a three as well but you kind of like you think that you're settling but you're actually no you think that you're downsizing but you're actually not and um <laughs> Like uh, I worked in nightclubs for a really long time, so I used to see that like in real time, and it was so funny because literally the lights go on and then the panic sets in, and uh, that's Tony Khan at this stage. Uh, at this stage. I,
0: I, I mean, everyone knows that we need to make signings. There's so much noise around it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine we're not working hard to make something happen in the background. I just can't see us going through a transfer window and only signing three players. On average, we've signed. 10 to 12 players every transfer window for the last like seven or eight years it's, Yeah, no, it's I get that. unlikely get that. when we especially when we need signings important signings it's unlikely that we're going to then not be able to sign anyone there's there's thousands of players out there who we could potentially sign so I get yes which, we might which not get actually the...
1: which which makes us look so bad doesn't it i know
2: that, like, that's the thing, what you like, said Cause like like I've I've got friends who are Spurs fans, for example. And do you remember that season where Spurs just didn't sign anybody? Like, and everyone just went, "What? Why are you doing?" But they anything? couldn't afford to sign anyone. That's the problem. Well, yeah, no, and I get that as well. But I'm just like in my brain, I'm just like maybe this is that season, and I would love to be wrong. I desperately want to be wrong. But I'm just like my maybe it's like me keeping my like emotional like guard up. I'm just more picturing like coming to deadline day and just being intensely confused and saddened, rather than actually seeing uh, seeing the picture. I don't know. I don't know if, you guys tell me the picture. I want. I want to believe in it.
1: If if you think about this, if, if your preferred way of dealing is to mop up whoever hasn't got a ride
2: home mm. on. <clears throat> really into of that analogy,
1: aren't you? Uh, I really am. That metaphor is working for me. <laughs> I love the way I just put it out there and you guys actually finished it. But um, why wouldn't you, if, if you know, or if you accept that you're not very good at this and your preferred way is to pick up a bargain, you're never going to get, you're never going to get a hundred percent of what you really should get or what you even want. And you're going to have to make do with just half a dozen players that that you hope are going to be somewhat useful to you at the right price. Why wouldn't you, no, no, why wouldn't you have a dual pronged approach and go, okay, I'm not very good at at actually, you know, cut and thrust of actually competing with all the other clubs across the whole window. I need a long run at this. So I'm just going to focus on my key players, my, you know, my spine and my, from goalkeeper to striker that if I haven't got those positions set, I'm just going to pay a lot of money on a loan and I'm going to take my time and it could be a year over two windows to kind of swim in the shallows somewhere where no one else is looking and find a gem because we, we, we just, no one wants to play with us. No one wants to actually do the deals the way we want to do it. And it's obvious Every single one of these, um, deals that we got half excited about have petered out every single one of them, namely one that's actually, I mean, the, the Jimenez thing was bubbling along, happened quite quickly. We knew nothing about
0: Traore and it just happened. The Calvin Bassi, the Calvin Bassey one that bubbled for a while. Not that um, long. It
1: happened no, quite quickly. Really it
0: happened. Quick. It was over a couple of weeks, that Calvin Bassey one. He was flaunted. Remember, we were looking at a number of different defenders. He was one of them. He went as a possibility yeah. and then he disappeared for a while and then came back as a possibility again um, because we turned away from that guy from Southampton, Salisu and and our attention to bassy
1: I, I you know what i'm saying though if, if you take a really results oriented focus and go i'm nervous about spending millions and being stuck with high wages if it doesn't turn out why not actually spend big hundreds of hundreds of thousands on a couple of killer players that i'm not stuck with forever it's not a long-term solution but it sorts out all this anxiety that we have over can we can't we score goals get a goal scorer It's going to cost you 300,000 pounds a year a week get a goal scorer all right it's a lot cheaper than you know spending 40 million pounds on a on a someone who is not even proven
2: so you're yeah. saying it's so you're saying it's better to buy a round of for a group of friends than buy five cocktails for one person.
1: I don't even get that metaphor. I I'm saying. At the bar. I thought. I'm saying. No, I'm saying you get a absolute proven assassin because staying up is the key objective. There's no other objective here. Uh, not... but
0: th- this this is a silly thing to say because we can't buy a proven assassin in the market at the moment for the amount of money that we have. Also, one injury and then it's all going to shit. I said loan. I said loan. Uh, Who are we going to loan? Who's a proven assassin who a team are happy to give you on loan, effectively give you for free for a season, where usually you don't pay all of their wages. Maybe we would say we'll pay all their wages, but no one's going to allow a proven assassin to go away on loan for a season.
2: I mean, The the only uh, person who's out
0: there... Who, who is a possibility of a lone move, is Lukaku at the moment. I was and literally really, going to say
2: Lukaku. He's uh, not coming I, in.
0: I'd take, I would take him, but, I, do, I mean, he hasn't proven himself to be a very quality goal scorer in the Premier League for his last three or four seasons in the league. Mm. There, there's, it's, it's just not realistic. I, I, also, the, the idea that we're mopping up and trying to take what we can on deadline day is kind of true in a way because we've never really signed like our key players on deadline day. And I don't expect we're going to sign our key striker on deadline day unless a deal is really struggling to be struck for a player. I I genuinely think this moyes Keane deal looks like it's the closest to happening and it'll happen maybe by the weekend. Um, we've, We've previously signed Vinicius and Willian on deadline day. We signed... Nathaniel Cheleba as a deadline day deal um Kenny Tete was a deadline day deal um who else like like these aren't your key M- players M- who Mbabu? are Mbabu was a deadline day yep um it, it's not your your you know key man they're not signed on deadline day it's picking up interesting little deals on deadline day that improve the depth of your squad but you know if if you go back to the conversation we were having about the potential starting lineup against arsenal we're saying we're pretty happy with the majority of that squad how many signings do you guys think we need to make to at least find safety again comfortably this season if you if you're looking at the squad and saying we're pretty happy with it are you saying we just need to replace mitro one for one and then we'd be happy yeah. I, well, I think we'd I reckon... be happy
1: with it with an 11 if we if we replaced Metro and got a superstar striker and and 50 million is not chump change um, you're then left with a problem that you're very vulnerable to injuries you can't rotate
2: I reckon I reckon we've got we've got to sign like a minimum of six to seven players in order to guarantee. Uh, safety this season. Like I can't, I can't, I can't see. Like if we sign less than that, I genuinely think we're in serious trouble because then all it takes is a one, God forbid, two injuries, and it is it really becomes a shit fight. And knowing the age of our squad, the profile of our squad, can all but guarantee we're going to have one or at least two, and potentially even three injuries throughout the entire season. So, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, man.
0: Although, I that, do like the uh,
2: idea of Lukaku coming. I, 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 I want to believe that.
0: I, I don't know how you can justify the fact that we need six or seven players when we've lost Cabano, um, Solomon, and Mitrovic. And you're saying we need three extra players on top of that, effectively, to I, be and, even a chance to survive.
1: Check, these are not just these are not our analysis silver's actually come out and said it
0: he wants he said five he said we play. need five players yeah i don't think we need six or seven players to be to then be a chance of surviving i think we need from here we definitely need a, a starting striker and then i think it's just backup after that we we're not realistically who's getting dropped out of the starting lineup maybe another center back to strengthen that but Tete and Robinson aren't getting dropped. Leno's definitely not getting dropped. Polinia's not getting dropped. Willian and Wilson need some some backup and some some people challenging for their positions. But I don't think we. I, I think we like I said last podcast. I think we're catastrophizing the situation here. I, I think there's a handful well, of players that need to be signed, but not much more than that.
1: No, you know what's actually happened? Um, pr- prior to Metro leaving silver a lot of what silver was talking about was what he needed in order to push on and meet his ambition and work towards europe honestly that's somewhat out the window or at least shelved at the moment we've got we've got a big problem and as you rightfully say we're now in the game of what do we do to make sure that we can score goals and first first point, survive. And I think, you know, pushing on for a European spot is dreamland at the moment. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it can't happen, but, but that does require your five or six or seven players. And that's I, what I the disagree. conversation was.
0: Sorry, I, I disagree that we've got a big problem. I, I agree that we do need to sign more players, but I also think realistically, the goalposts have changed for this season. I don't Mm. think we're aiming for European football. I think it's about survival this season, as it was last season. I I don't think we're going to be able to replicate the performances from last season um, to the same extent. I think we're still going to have a good year, but I don't think we're realistically going to be pushing for European football. When you look at teams who are around us at the end of the year in Brentford, Brighton and Aston Villa, They've been able to sign some pretty amazing players, and admittedly, spending a lot of money to do so as well. Aston Villa has spent, I think, over two hundred million this transfer window. Um, so we we just have to be realistic about our expectations this year. And I think our expectations this year are to finish somewhere between tenth and fourteenth. And so you don't need to sign heaps of top quality players to hit between 10th and 14th. I agree that we need players and I'd like to see us sign quality to top quality players, but I think for where we're aiming, which is to be a comfortable mid-table team, we only need to bring in two or three players realistically who are first team ready and first team standard, and then you can bring in some players behind them who you can develop um, and you can do you can make some smart deals from there as well to add some backup strength to the squad. Which I think Jimenez what? deal was.
1: I do not believe for a moment that that is Marco Silva's ambition for year two Premier League. Not for a moment. I agree. Mm. No, no. You're yeah, saying I, I think we're s- trying to do. All we're trying to do is survive. Win, I, I'm not and, saying and Silva's doing between...
0: that though. I'm saying He's that's coming from above. Uh, yeah, but the the you get dictated from above. The manager gets a say, but I, I'm sure the direction of the club is not coming entirely from the manager. Is it the manager? Doesn't say I want to build no. a new stand. Um, no, no, the manager doesn't not. set a transfer budget and set and, a, and, contra- a wage budget and stuff like that. I think a lot of this is coming from the cons saying, okay, no, 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 we don't need to push for European football. Yeah. We've built okay. a new stand. We've put a lot of money into that. We just need to be a mid table club and have some stability for a while. And I agree. Yeah, and I you're... don't think that's silver's vision either. Does and that and gives there, Silva... there
1: you go. And there yeah. you go. That is the essence of the problem, because I think there is a chasm there, or or at least um, a void, that there is a there is a delta between um, the club's ambition or what they want to fund and perhaps the urgency or the impetus and what Silver wants to get on and do, and there's and, potential problem there.
2: And then that potentially leads to Silver wanting to walk because. Then there's options for like, say, for example, like a Crystal Palace with only like one year left of Roy Hodgson, and our ambitions is just to stay in the Prem. No, I think I think that's I think that's got some some meat on it. Has an idea? Yeah. Look, oh, I, what a I bleak was- podcast! What a bleak <laughs> podcast we have done today. Do not shout, uh, Zane. You've got a good microphone. That
0: was loud. Um, there's there's a lot of chat um, online about the future of Marco Silva and. You know, he hasn't signed a new contract. We were kind of expecting him to do that a while ago, but he hasn't. And uh, it's it's very possible that he walks away at the end of the season now. And it wouldn't surprise me if Fulham was sort of prepared for that. And so basically looking at it and going, right, Silver, I know you want all these players, but you've basically told us you're not going to be here next season by not signing a new contract. So, you know why are we going to spend a hundred million on the players you want when we're going to, you're someone else is going to be inheriting this squad. Mm. There's a lot. That's a very defeatist.
2: It is
1: defeatist for sure. But I feel feel like you're, you're kind of justifying the, the cans tying themselves up in knots, which I don't want to believe, but but because if you, you've got a manager, you've got a manager who's proven his capability. He's is overperformed and overachieved with a, a good but not great squad. Imagine giving him a really good squad, not a great squad, but a really, really good squad. And it's it's five or six players, as we've agreed, maybe more, but let's call it five or six really good players. And um, you know, keeps him interested in his job, keeps him achieving, and it actually pushes a club on to uh, a next level, or at least. Um, it it at least makes hopefully makes certain that you 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 don't have a terrible second season um if and if if you're right, Jack, if you're right that all they're doing is is looking to hold their place in the Premier League and a little bit of stability and save a bit more money for the stand, that's that's a doomed business business yeah. uh, plan.
0: I'm I'm saying that they're at loggerheads at the moment. I'm saying Silva has asked for a hundred million to spend. The Khans have said you can have sixty million to spend. Silver's saying, well, these are the players I need. The Khan's saying, well, we can't afford that. um, and we don't want to do that because we're happy to be a mid-table club. I'm saying there's a lot of friction behind the scenes and I'm not being defeatist by saying Silver's gonna walk away and I'm I'm not defending the Khan's decision here either. But I'm saying I I can see when when you sort of piece the story together and try and piece together why things are happening, it starts to make a bit more sense. Uh, I don't agree with it in any way. I think the Khan should be 100% backing Silver completely from here and they're not, and that's the reason that there's an issue. Um, But I also understand from the Khan side where they're going, you know, we've we've reached what we want to reach, which is to be a mid table club. And if we can just be stable from here, why do we need to push on? Why, why can't we have three years of stability like a Brighton did and then push on from there and make something happen after that? Maybe, and I think they're scared.
2: I mean, I like Graham and, Potter. And,
0: and,
1: but everything you're saying is if, if, if this is true and it makes perfect sense, if what you're saying is very, very true, um there is a real problem because marcus silva has options he'd he'd have yeah. plenty of suitors plenty of suitors and that would be that would be a kind of own goal and mismanagement of a great situation that we found ourselves in by an anxious owner who doesn't want to push on that 100%. that would be that would be a great shame and like yeah. you, we've said so many times these tensions exist all the time between managers <clears throat> and owners. And typically, you'd expect owners who made their money to be good business people and the managers to be great at managing teams and ambitious. And that's kind of borderline the extent of it. And you, you, you need to defer to the owners who, you know, uh, need, the adults in the room, if you like, that need to manage the big problems, right? It would be such a travesty if we have the constituents to push on with a really good manager who's confident and starting to get a whole room, um, change room, believing in him and he, he doesn't get the backing. That would be a travesty.
0: I agree. And I think we're, we're seeing a bit of that travesty at the moment unfolding. Um, and look, I... I I think we're still going to bring people in this transfer window. I just don't think um, it's going to be the six or seven that Silva's asked for. I think we're realistically going to see four come through the door and I'm not a hundred percent. We won't know for certain, but I'm not a hundred percent sure they're all going to be the players that Silva actually wanted to come through the door either, but we're going to have to wait and see. And I think it'll be quite apparent very quickly if those players are are players Marco Silva really wanted straight into the first team and, um, you know, we saw with Mbabu, Shane Duffy, guys who got bought in fairly late on and basically got cast aside very, very quickly. I think it'll be very clear if the players that get bought in are just to try and appease the numbers that Silver has asked for, or if they're actually genuine quality players that Silver wanted in the first place. Um, well, the
1: exciting thing is, Jack, that when next we sit down to talk, um, based on your timeline of key players being closed and, and signed before deadline day, we should have some uh, something great to talk about.
0: We'll sure. be talking about Moyes Keane's hat trick at the Emirates. Um, <sighs> fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> uh, look, guys, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Um, as we said, there's still a lot of transfer work to be done as – seven eight days left in the transfer window eight days and a handful of hours maybe eight hours left I think so um a lot of business still to be concluded and we're getting to the pointy end now um I've I've thrown it all out there and said we're gonna get the business done in time and tried to dampen Sam's doom and gloom so let's <laughs> cross our fingers that it does happen because we're be pretty sad if it doesn't um so look I think we can um, finish there guys and yeah like like, you said next time we talk, hopefully there's some good news. Um, I don't know if it's going to come from the Arsenal result or if it's going to come from the transfer market, but I do hope that we're maybe a fraction more positive next time we sit down and chat. Uh, we'll wait and see. Sammy, thank you for eventually joining us tonight.
2: Thank you. And you know what? I always I, – I love, I love the way that we approach these subjects sometimes. I I like the discourse, and I like that we all came – with an earnest, genuine opinion. We didn't necessarily disagree, but I feel that every Fulham fan base was represented here, and that's what you get on the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We love having you around. I, re- I had so much fun. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, I like it when you rock up on time. We're going to do that thing where we tell you that um the podcast actually starts at 7 p.m but we'll actually start at 8 p.m and you'll get there
2: I, just as we begin i actually do <laughs> that with paris all the time all the time oh,
0: you're gonna see the other side of that next next time we sit down no thank you for staying up late for this one sammy it's uh much okay. appreciated to have your okay. chat and uh dad thanks for joining us tonight it's a pleasure and uh i'm I
1: said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm really looking forward to not having to talk about something we're not very good at, and that is transfers. I just oh, want to honestly. talk about. I just want to talk about football and what's happening <laughs> next week.
2: Oh, can't wait. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: it's just it's just frustrating talking about rumours constantly when you just don't know what's actually going to happen and how it's all going to pan out. So, um, yeah. Another. I think we're gonna squeeze two podcasts in before the window closes, maybe even three at right. a push. Yeah. Um but uh yeah fingers crossed by the time we sit down next. I think actually we'll sit down next Thursday and it'll be the day before deadline day. Um so we'll we'll have a really good understanding of where we're sitting because like I said I can't imagine we do more than two deals by the time deadline day rolls around so Looking forward to sitting down after this weekend, though, and, like I said, hopefully being a little bit more positive. But until that time, come on, you whites.